Hello and welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. And I'm your co-host, Ian. Brandon is out. His baby, Robin, is sick, so he will not be joining us today. And we're not talking about a bird. No, his baby. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast was created to provide you, our heroes, with new and reusable material for both players and DMs. We hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. Our show may not be suitable for young children, but neither are our D&D games. No. <laughs> We want to thank you for joining us today here at Crit Academy Studios, where everything's made up and your rules don't matter. That's right. Your rules are like a gamut without their genetic unconventional neo-focus. Yes. If you do not know what a genetic unconventional neo-focus is, we're going to get into We're going to talk about it today. We like to start off every episode on a high note, don't we, there, Ian? Very much so. And how do we do that? By giving away free stuff. Yes, we love giving away fat loots. Each episode, we will draw one lucky subscriber's name, and they will win the five-star rated adventure, Banquet of the Damned, compliments of Goblin Stone. Goblin Stone is a community project for D&D fans based out of the UK. They aim to be a place where you can team up with professionals to turn your ideas into high-quality products and give every fan a chance to get published. Be sure to head over to www.goblinstone.com or you can check out our fellowship link on our website, www.critacademy.com. Who's our winner today? Our winner today is Benjamin J. Spinner. Congratulations, Benjamin J. Spinner. You are this week's winner of Goblin Stone's best-selling adventure, Banquet of the Damned. If you enjoy the adventure, please leave Goblin Stone a review. As a content creator, I can tell you that we very much appreciate reviews. <laughs> and getting good ones just makes us feel all warm and fuzzy inside. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right, so we got a really great show for you guys today. We are gonna we got a question from uh, Edward T. And I don't think this is from Edwards Tate. I think this is a different Ed. Um, there is more than one, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> but there is only one great bearded one. He has a, a question, is looking for some guidance. Um, our main topic is our class analysis on the gun mage. You do not know the gun mage is a sorceress origin that we ourselves created here at the Crit Academy Studios. By we, mostly you and Brennan playtested it. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> Mostly me and some playtesters, so. <laughs> I threw it, my two cents here and there, though. Yeah, and I appreciate every little comment. Um, and then, of course, we have our final segment, our unearth tips and true and reusable material for both players and DMs. That includes player and DM tips, encounter ideas, and much, much more. So stay tuned for that. But before all that, we spent a few minutes talking about what's going on in our realm. Ian, what's going on in your realm? Well, a couple things, like... um. I got a Steam controller that came in the mail this past week. I know it's been out for a few years already, but I'm like, you know what? They attached it to a sale for a game. It's normally about 50 bucks. They dropped another 15, kind of cost the game itself. So I'm like, eh, why not? Might as well give it a shot. Right. I mean, so far, though, I've had some technical difficulties playing with it, such as, like, the, my computer, like, not acknowledging it exists after being plugged in for two minutes or the game's not working properly, but it sounds like it might be a driver issue, though, so I might have to do some tweaking for it to finally behave. Uh. And me and you... This weekend, we actually played a D&D game as players. And yeah! Uh, <laughs> I got to be a player! I was so excited. At Cartel Republic, Tom Davis, and that was actually pretty fun. Yeah, I had a, I had a blast. I played a uh, a barbarian named Rayodin. His rage was him turning Super Saiyan. It was fantastic. Blue lightning and his hair standing on end with blue glowing eyes. It was awesome. And it was a pretty large group, actually, but I still think everyone had fun, and I think everybody definitely contributed in their own way. Oh, yeah, for sure. The the, the players, I was really impressed with some, our bard was awesome. <laughs> yes. Like, here I am describing how I'm going to, you know, go around the outside and try to, you know, stealth around, and, and then he just starts singing and screaming as he's walking right in the center of town. It was fantastic. I got this. I'm invincible. No one can kill me. <laughs> was our bard's attitude, and somehow... He actually did not get held, hit. Yeah, he held to it. It was. I think I was the only one that really took any damage. Well, I didn't either, but to be fair, I was a cleric walking around with 20 AC at level 1. That's insane, dude. And I did laugh in the bar, decided like, yeah, I took a glove, filled it full like, of uh, gold coins, slapped somebody with it, and rolled a nat 20 and killed him. Bitch <laughs> <laughs> slapped him with a coin-filled... Uh, glove. It was glorious. So we had a lot of fun doing that. Um, like I said, it was 
my first time as a player in some time, so I was really excited, and I had a lot of fun with it. And I put an a-hole dwarf who was very picky about smithing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were walking around judging everybody's equipment and shit. <laughs> like, eh, this is okay. Or when we walk, so like the town blacksmith being held hostage. I guess I'll rescue him out professional courtesy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, it was more combat than I traditionally am used to, but I was not upset about that. I'm sure you weren't. <laughs> I think the two of us are on like opposite ends of that uh, that particular spectrum. Yeah. But uh, it was it was really fun, and if I get an opportunity, I would love to go back. Problem is, they play at like one p.m., and I usually work Saturdays until two. So problem is, I'm usually asleep at one p.m. <laughs> yeah, I actually didn't expect you to see there. I saw that you were interested. We just showed up, and we were both there. So actually, a lot more people showed up than I expected. Yeah, but... me too. I thought I was going to get there; it'd be one person and me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I got there about a half hour early, and there was one other guy there. I'm like, huh, this seems to be a pretty sparse game. But then when one o'clock hits, only five other people walked in and one goes. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. It was really good. I think we were doing uh, Horde of the Dragon Queen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did. I wasn't oblivious to the fact that there was no flying dragon shooting lightning out of its mouth, destroying everything. Did you notice that? Yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, it's supposed to be attacking the village, and he didn't mention nothing about it. I think he pulled it away um, because it's so powerful. But uh, Which I kind of get, actually. Yeah, well, I kind of li- I like the idea of, well, don't fucking attack it if you don't want it to kill you. But uh, it was it was really cool. Um, I had a blast. Um, and I, I love, I love at being a player, so that's something I'm going to work towards trying to do more of. So I think that'll do it for In the Realm. Yeah, that about covers it. Yeah. So, uh, Ian, if they'd like to visit other realms, how can they do that? They can go to our website and click on the link to our sponsor, Audible, where they can get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial. Wonderful. Moving on to our Let's Talk About Blank segment, we have a question from Edward T. I need some guidance. I am completing my first adventure as DM. Players, mostly new to the game, have been awesome and played well. I want to reward them with something. I was considered giving them each a feat, but wanted some advice before I gave them such a bonus. What do you all think? Well, everyone can use a third foot. God. (laughs) Ah, joking aside, um, I'm guessing then, even though you're wrapping up a campaign, it's still going to be an ongoing adventure by the sounds of it, too. Well, yeah, he's saying his first advent. they just finished their first adventure. Right. So I don't know if that means it's an entire, like, multiple session thing, or if it was, like, a single sure. session event. A feat can be pretty huge. <laughs> yeah, in 5e, they have a much larger impact yep. than they do in previous editions. But they're also a lot more stingy when it comes to handing them out compared to what they used to be. Right. Because, so, like, 3.5 in particular, it's like... Making it rain. So I guess the question is, would you allow your players, would you give your players feats as a reward? On one hand, I can definitely see if it's your game and all the players are getting them, it, that seems really balanced. But on the other hand, I will admit, I do try to stick with uh, rules as written. Mm-hmm. So that part kind of like scratches the back of my head. Like, like, no, that's not how it works. Right. But if you want to do that, go ahead. But one other option, too, is to basically give a magic item to each character that fits that character in some capacity, too. I would think, uh, I would much more go with, like, a magic item over a feat. Um, the reason I say, once again, I, I do agree with Ian that if you gave everyone a feat, it's probably not as bad. What I think will end up happening by giving them such a power boost is that you'll find building encounters much more challenging. Um, because now you're not gonna, your game's not gonna account for those extra feats. Um, and as a DM, I wouldn't do that because honestly, I already got enough work. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you agree with that that at all, but um, I don't care how much DMing you're doing. That's that's always a lot of work, right? Um, so I'm not a fan of adding to it. What I would suggest, either magic items like Ian suggested, or consider giving them boons. In the back of the DMG, there's a boon section. Instead, what I would say, if you want to give them a reward for excellent play or excellent role play or whatever the the reasoning is, give them something that you can take away or extend. So if you give them a boon that lasts a 10-day, you can let them adventure with this buff from this priestess or priest that says, hey, I'm giving you my blessing for your support and doing all this good work for me as a thank you and say it expires, right? That way, if you accidentally give them something too powerful, it just it wears off and they won't be upset about it because you already put a timeline on it. Although one of the options too, though, is... Kind of in the same vein as Boone, sort of. Mm-hmm. One thing that I unfortunately don't see happen very often in many games I've played in, not all, but some, right. 
is even though you adventure much, you don't really see much impact on the world from the players' actions. One huge reward for the players is give some feedback to them for their actions. Like, people actually now know who they are. They have a rep- reputation. Like, mm-hmm. how, I mean, how many times have a player walked into a village and, le- and like, hey, you're that guy? <laughs> <laughs> players do like to be recognized. That would be So you're saying that as a reward, you should that he should be giving them more attention from an NPC perspective. Can I get your autograph? <laughs> Even the one time I put like a uh, character with a folk hero background, it was actually was kind of nice for the DM to have the NPCs go, "Hey, you're that guy I heard about that did that one thing." <laughs> yeah. So there are rewards you can give that doesn't necessarily mean a power boost. Um, so definitely consider those. But I would recommend if you're going to give them a power boost, make sure it's something temporary, like a boon or a charm. Or something more tangible. Or a, or a magical item that's maybe consumable or something like that. Well, well not something consumable. Even like a low-level magic item. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can go magic items, too. Once again, if you're a new DM, though, um, yeah, I would, do, I would do any of those other than the feet, personally. Because <laughs> the feet is all very powerful. But the point, though, is be consistent. Yes. Um, and just be careful. Don't hand out too much stuff that'll make the game that much more difficult on you. And allow other players to outshine each other, too. So, All right. I think that'll do it for this question. Uh, Edward T., we hope we answered your question today. Yeah, given what the question was, I doubt it was Tater. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> Tater is an experienced, experienced man. As we see with, with how long his beard is. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, thank you for the submission. Moving on to our main topic today, we are doing our class analysis on the gun mage. That's right. We're giving an overview of our own material. Yes. Um, <laughs> Shamelessly. Well, I actually, originally I wasn't going to do it, but I decided <laughs> that I wanted to be able to talk about how and why I chose some things that I did. And I think that would be interesting for them to hear the process uh, that I personally did if they're interested. If not, skip forward to the next episode. (laughs) So, what is a gun mage? Many sorcerers naturally find themselves able to tap into the well of magical power that resides within themselves. Some sorcerers are not so lucky. While these latent sorcerers can feel their raw power, they are unable to access it. They often describe it akin to a silent volcanic mountain its destructive magma contained deep within, just waiting to burst free. After lots of research and working with other people who study the arcane, a special arcane focus was designed just for these latent sorcerers. A tool that could pull on the power within, bringing that normally out-of-reach latent power just within the sorcerer's reach. These special arcane focuses are called genetic unconventional neo-focuses. Which happens to spell gun. (laughs) Oh, imagine that. It's almost like somebody (laughs) wanted the acronym. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that gives you a little bit of detail into why I made this, this character and what the flavor is going into it. I wanted to find a way to reflavor the arcane focus to be a tool that is... Not just required, but it somehow fits into the the lore of the character. Yep. And one thing we do, I mentioned those, like um, many spellcasters, yes, an arcane focus is required for for many spells. Not all. For some basic like cantrips, you don't mm-hmm. really need it all the time. But right. this for this archetype in particular, the gun, if you will, helps complete the circuit. That helps them tap into their magic more so than most spellcasters. That's the flavor. Yeah. Well, technically, um, uh, all spellcasting needs some sort of focus. If it's arcane focus, if you're an arcane caster, right? Or a, a holy symbol, if you're a divine caster. So it, without those, even a wizard can't cast unless the spell only requires um, verbal. I think. Right. Right. Because that's supposed to be the flavor of it, right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. If it requires any sort of component, which most of them do, the arcane focus kind of encompasses, fills in that void. But um, it, yeah, because for same material that doesn't have any GP costs, right? Right, and make sure, and that's another thing. That, that's a whole other discussion for like wizards and stuff. And yeah, you need to have that item. But um, in this case, we're not going to deal too much into that. But no. I wanted to tie this arcane focus to be a utility item that gets more attention in the game. So originally, when I had built this, it was a 4E wizard. 
Right. Um, which made more sense with prepared spells and stuff. But I decided I wanted to change it up to the sorcerer, who I feel like doesn't get as much attention as the wizard. Yeah, I agree with that. Sorcerers do a lot of fun stuff that most people just don't give them credit for. Right. Um, and so this way you can just utilize something you're already going to have in this character. So uh, at first level, just like every other sorcerer, you get some of your primary features pretty quickly. For the first feature you get is gun casting. Where starting at first level, when you cast a cantrip spell, you can do it without any somatic or verbal components. And additionally, you gain the cantrip chromatic birth, which is unique to this archetype. Yes, and this is kind of to your point, is something that, that there's two things fold going on here. One, this cantrip can only be used while you have your gun. It, if you have another arcane um, focus, it won't work. It's unique to this, which means it's a custom cantrip. And I remember how much we went back and forth and how to construct this cantrip too. <laughs> yes, it saw probably, I think, nine different iterations by the time I was done. The other subtle thing is this cantrip can be cast without somatic or verbal components, So, but it requires your gun. So there's still a little bit of a re uh, restriction there, but once you understand what the chromatic burst does, you'll understand why. The idea is to force the flavor through the, the gun itself. So what is Chromatic Burst? It's a 120-foot range cantrip with a duration that's instantaneous. It says, you release a burst of magical energy from your gun at a creature that you can see within range. Make a ranged spell attack, so it's another offensive attack. On a hit, the target takes 2d4 damage. After you roll the damage, choose one of the d4s. The number on the die that's selected determines the damage type. So this is something that needed to change often. Yep. That we had to constantly experiment because being able to change your element at will is a pretty potent feature. Which is why I actually proposed in the past doing a lower damage, not even 2d4 initially, but you still like, like the random element of it too. So. Right. <laughs> so the idea was, so there's four die, or four-sided die means four elements to choose from. Poison, cold, fire, and lightning. Real lightning. Now, feasibly, if you really wanted to be able to pick your, your element at will like this, you could pick Acid Splash, you could run with um, Shocking Grasp, as well as, you know, Frostbite and Firebolt. So... You have the potential to have access to these four elements already. I just combined them into one cantrip. The problem is, is early on, it's a little bit random. and it gives, So if you roll the first two dice, you pick one, you pick one of those elements, and that's what you choose. Basically showing the, the chaoticness of this, this element. But what's cool is, as the effects damage increases, you get more D4, so you have more choices. Basically showing your proficiency and your ability to... Um, learn to control it a little better at higher levels. And especially at 17th, when it gets the most die, you're tossing 8 D4s. Right. <laughs> now, the damage compared to other cantrips isn't any higher, right? Actually, the Firebolt can do more damage. The difference is the low-end damage is boosted. Higher. Yeah. Um, and that was our way of kind of... It's more level. Yeah, um, and it was also our way of showing that the gun enhances those offensive powers. In the story backstory of the gun mage, it talks that the gun actually not only allows them to tap into it, but it allows them to enhance it in different ways. Oh, and we're going to get into that too. Um, so that's kind of basically the start. So this becomes the, the go-to cantrip instead of Firebolt like it normally would probably be, right? Yeah. Um, giving you a little bit of control um, with a little bit of randomness kind of tossed in. So... Um, uh, the next feature you get access to is at level two, you get access to bursts. You learn two bursts. These bursts are special effects that enhance your combat capabilities as well as work in conjunction with many of your meta magic features. Most burst effects are powered by sorcery points. You must have a gun held in one hand to gain the benefits of bursts. You can only use one burst once per turn. You learn additional bursts at 6th, 14th, and 18th levels. So... Ian, what's the first burst? The first thing you gain is Swift Burst, and which allows you to release a short burst of raw energy from your gun mage that you can use to propel yourself quickly. You can spend one sorcery point to take the disengage or dash action as a bonus action on your turn, and your jump distance is doubled. Yeah, so this is a mobility feature. Basically, the gun mage points out their gun, a quick burst of energy allows them to, like, rocket jump, I guess you could say, or rocket dash. Uh, I know when Brandon uses his character jumps up a little bit and just points the gun and, and it, like, propels him in one direction. Um, this is really over helps overcome one of the biggest weaknesses of the sorcerer, right? Yep. Actually, that makes me th think of one of the uh, 
later Mistborn books, not the original trilogy, but the one after that takes place hundreds of years later, mm-hmm. where the main character, he actually has like two magical abilities, and one of them is he can de- increase or decrease his weight. And one thing he often did was he would often decrease his weight, but then when he like will jump out buildings, take a shotgun full of blanks, point behind him and fire, which will propel him forward. Oh, that's a, and that's exactly <laughs> the feeling that I was going for in this. Right. And, and Brandon's actually joined us in the chat from home, so welcome. He says, yeah, and fly, and going, wee! <laughs> um, which was kind of the whole point behind that. Um, this gives the sorcerer mobility, right? Mobility without having to use a spell. Right, it consumes a sorcery point. Yeah, which is just as a is a very valuable resource to begin with. Um, yeah, I don't think people appreciate sorcerers, and this is why they should appreciate sorcerers because of their magic. Yeah, and it, it's really powerful if you consider. And we, we'll talk more about that as we go forward. But the gun mage is designed to focus less on casting regular spells and more on converting sorcery points, so you can pull off. The different types of bursts, especially when you get full chromatic burst at level six, and we'll talk about that later. Um, the second burst you get is called focus burst. Um, your gun begins to release the energy stored up. A small burst of power leaks out, and you gain brief insight to your opponent's future as an ethereal version of your target. When you cast the spell while wielding your gun, you can expend a sorcery point to gain a plus two bonus to your spell attack rolls until the end of your turn. Okay, you definitely got that flavor from this board. <laughs> oh, absolutely. That's the um, the a- ATM, the at- ATM berm. ATM, however you want to pronounce those fancy words. Oh, yeah, up. I just go by the, the audio guy says ATM, so that's what I call it. Um, but, uh, yeah, so basically it, it it gives you a brief glimpse of the potential movement, basically enhancing your chance to, to hit. Now, it takes a sorcery point. Once again, it's becoming... Okay, I can increase my chance to hit. It's similar to the archery fighting style. Yeah. Where you can boost up your your attack chance, but instead of it being a permanent feature, it's something you have to spend a resource to get. Um, so that was one of my my favorite uh favorite those are my two favorite ones. I had like seven of these things before I cut it down to just a couple. Yeah. <laughs> I had way too many options. Uh, Brandon actually says he hasn't used Focus Burst yet. I think that's because he keeps using Swift, and you can only use one per turn. Right. So To be fair, he has used it to great effect. Yeah. <laughs> Stopping himself from getting clobber, that's for sure. 12 Giants, run! <laughs> so, so, so far, you can actually see that the whole point of this is to utilize your gun in different ways. You know, and that's that's important, because you want this not to just be... Um, an item that you have, like a wizard's arcane focus. It needs to be integral to everything that you're doing. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's funny. That's a, Brandon's gun uh, is made of like a crystal, so it it pulls out and sounds like a uh-huh Elvis noise. Do and, a mistake. And short version, the uh, joke there became he meant to say, yeah, it has runes on it written in Elvish, but he accidentally said Elvis instead, and we did not let it go. Right. <laughs> so now every time he draws his weapon, he has to say, oh, 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 or whatever it is. Anyways, as you're leveling up, these are the only gun mage features you're going to have until sixth level, but you got to remember they work in tandem with many of the meta magic feats, which are features which you're going to get between now and then, yep. whether it's the quicken meta magic. Or the twin shot or twin spell, I think it's called. Yeah, twin spell. Um, and they all work really good. So, for instance, if you twin spell your chromatic burst, you now have two different kind of random elemental strikes going on, which is fantastic. So, uh, Ian, would you like to tell us about full chromatic burst? All right, full chromatic burst. At sixth level, you learn a new burst, and you can spend three sorcery points and use your action to release a massive burst of energy in a straight line. 100 feet long and 5 feet wide that blasts out from you in the direction of your choice. You choose acid, cold, fire, lightning, poison, or thunder for the blast you create. Each creature in the line must make a dexterity saving throw. A creature takes 5d8 of the chosen type on a failed save or half as much on a successful one. When you use this action, you may choose to spend additional sorcery points to increase this damage by 1d8 for every one additional point you spend. (laughs) So what do you think about this? It's freaking A. (laughs) so basically you have like a big like energy burst kind of like a line effect like a big blast of power that releases from this and you have control over the element um which is really interesting and very powerful that's why it's called chromatic burst like the chromatic orb which is originally what it was one of it was based off of um but it's a line effect which means it can hit multiple targets that includes your allies so you can't just be shooting it all higgledy piggledy like Right? Yep. 
Those are the technical terms, by the way. And of course, we heard a lot of wisecracks in game, like you're basically shooting a Kamehameha away for a Hadouken from a gun. <laughs> yeah, Shinku Hadouken. That's the big beam one. Um, Although I'll admit, the, my, the mental image I have is like the. Uh, I don't know if you have watched it, but have you seen the anime movie Blame on Netflix? I have not. The maker has what they call the gravitational beam emitter. Okay, that sounds cool. Uh, and uh, it basically fires a huge, massive red beam <laughs> that just, just wrecks it. And uh, let's just say you don't want to be caught in the line for this thing, because you'll just be gone. <laughs> <laughs> um. So let me ask you, do you think that the cost of three sorcery points is... Uh, is a good cost for a line effect for it, five, 5d8 damage. It can be pricey, but keep in mind, when you get this, you're at level 6, so you're going to have more sorcery points than what you started with at this point, and you're just going to get more as you level up. Yeah, you get. I think you have one sorcery point for every level, plus you can convert slots. I think a little bit more than that, actually, but yeah. Let's see, it's right here. Yeah, so you have one for each level, but you can convert your spell slots, and at this point, you have three third-level spell slots, and third-level spell slots convert into five sorcery points and just on a side note here the uh damage that this thing does is kind of in the same ballpark as a fireball i would say more like lightning bolt well because it's in a line well yeah but, but the damage mm. damage wise yes you're right um and uh the way i see it though because it's in line burning a third level spell slot you're basically doing the same thing <laughs> yeah and and that's kind of to it right so it costs three sorcery points. Your third level spell gives you five sorcery points. Once again, though, it's important to note that it's a line effect. So it can hit multiple enemies, but it can also hit allies if you're not careful. So you need to you need to really be careful of that. Yeah, um, Brandon did mention he may have almost killed Raven by accident by firing off that thing. <laughs> so, uh, and he also says three points worth it. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 it, and it is. Um, the problem starts to get is when you get at higher levels you start to lose effectiveness. So you can boost it and spe waste more sorcery points, but the higher you get, the less efficient it is. Well, that's true of any of the spells. Right. <laughs> so you do keep, part, that, so. keep that in mind. But at higher levels, you can be shooting these things off until you're out of spell slot. Sure, you'll do a lot of damage, but much like a paladin, you're going to be out of oomph pretty quickly. Although I'm now pushing at level tw 20. What are you going to do? Um, take 28 damage. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny um so there is something really big about this that i want to point out that makes it good really good is that this is technically not considered a spell i did not classify it as a spell it's an action much like smite and the other thing too is you can actually choose the element being casted with this so right. against the right opponent you can really f them up yes and and that's that's one of the goals is to avoid weaknesses and attack uh, avoid enemy strengths and attack their weaknesses. Um, and this really allows you to do that. I think uh, Brandon's character blew away an entire fire elemental uh, with one of the the cold blasts. Yeah. And uh, it allowed it really to shine at that moment, which was pretty fantastic. Um, it's worth noting, though, if you take the quicken magic, meta magic, you can burn a spell slot when you after you attack with this. Yeah. Giving you some pr pretty powerful burst damage, but once again, consuming your slots and your sorcery points at a, a very high rate. So you want to be careful of that. But once again, this character is all about flexibility, which fits the whole sorcerer flexible casting idea, right? Yeah. But Brendan, who has been playing his archetype, he says the three points is totally worth it. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It is. Um, and, and that's the point. When I built this, this archetype, I wanted the player to be less into focusing on getting damaging spells and taking utility spells and consuming their slots into sorcery points so they can use their bursts more frequently. And so far, that's how Brandon's been running. He's used a spell here and there, but for the most part, he's utilizing all the features of the class instead of just the spells that they do have access to. And I don't blame him. Right, and that, and that was kind of the goal. I didn't want it to be just another spellcaster. That being said, though, um, it mixes really well uh, with um, a lot of the different meta magics, so you can get some really interesting combinations. That being said, the next feature you get access to is the Repelling Burst. Starting at 14th level, when you are hit with a melee attack, you can use your reaction to release a quick burst of power, dealing thunder damage equal to your sorcerer level. The attacker must also make a strength saving throw against your sorcerer spell save DC. On a failed save, the attacker is pushed in a straight line up to 20 feet away from you. So, one thing I learned when I'm trying to build my own uh, 
a very well balanced and thorough class was trying to utilize them all the same. One thing I noticed at 14th level, almost all of the features were some sort of mobility granting feature at level 14. Which is okay. And I think on several of them, it was wings, right? You can fly. And uh, basically the Red Bull level. <laughs> <laughs> level 14 gives you wings. <laughs> um, and then I found a couple that did didn't give them wings, but instead allowed them to escape somebody's grasp. And did a little bit of damage. And that's one of the templates that I took was let's make an attack that allows you to force the enemy away and do a little bit of damage in the process. In this case, you're, you basically are doing a point blank shot of raw thunder noise, which oh, just push, yeah. <laughs> which just pushes them back away from you, getting them out of your melee range. Could you say that your attackers have been thunderstruck? <laughs> yes. Yes, I would. <laughs> Thunder, da 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 da. Thunder, da 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 da. Anyway, one of the sorcerer's biggest weaknesses is their AC. I think the Draconic one is the only one that has a high AC, right, or a decent AC. I think the last sorcerer I ran had like an AC of like eleven. It was pretty horrible. Yeah. Uh, so this is a a powerful burst that allows you to to not to avoid you know those taking that damage and overcome that weakness a little bit. Ian, what's the final feature you get for the gun mage? The final feature you gain is unlimited burst. Beginning at 18th level, you've mastered the control of the raw energy that flows through your gun. When you successfully roll a critical hit with your chromatic burst, you regain two sorcery points. Ooh, this is encouraging you to use your offensive cantrip, right? And it... It ties back into ensuring that you recover those burst points so that you can continue doing your basic burst for swift burst and for um, your uh, uh, focused burst, right? Yeah. As I was building this, one of the articles I was reading from Wizards says your your capstone ability should really tie into the, the core of the build and making sure that you have some sorcery points to do your burst is super important. Uh, much like the uh, fighter uh, at higher levels yeah. automatically starts with a... Um, maneuver die. Yeah, maneuvering die. If so, you're a battlemaster, yeah. Yeah, it was very similar to that. So that was kind of the focus that I used. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, the focus that I used uh, in this, this, this feature. What do you think about that as a capstone? Well, not level 20, but... Uh, well, I do think it is nice that you get sorcery points back because sorcerers... They need these to do what they do good. Right. And and that's kind of why I went with that. Uh, I've only ran it a couple times at 18th level, so I haven't fully extended with... I ran a solo adventure, and I I don't... So I don't fully know a lot of playtests uh, from a personal experience, but I didn't get any negative feedback on this one, though I had to change it a couple times. Yeah. Uh, like, one of them was too close to, like, the Wild Sorcerer's feature. But anyways, ov- overall, uh, what are your impressions of this this build? I definitely think it's a very fun archetype to play as, and I have not done so yet, but I want to. <laughs> <laughs> I know that uh, we, we actually didn't touch on the, the gun acronym uh, too much. I spent a lot of time trying to come up with an acronym. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think at one point I had like 11 to 13 different combinations we of words through a lot at it just uh try to ma- come up with something that makes sense like we were presently throwing random words at the whiteboard seeing what sticks <laughs> see what stick to it um <laughs> this one ended up coming up just because it made sense that sorcerers are often their abilities are tied to like their bloodline so for it being like the uh, uh the genetic is where that came from and while that means something specific to us it doesn't have to mean that same thing in your world right yep but I had a lot of fun uh, coming up with it and took a lot of heartache and pain watching words that I really like go away. So, Do you have any uh, any other comments you think that would make this interesting or anything that stands out that you would consider needing changing or something you would like to see out of it? Um, Like I said earlier, I do like this archetype. I do think there's a couple of other aspects that can be fleshed out a little bit more. But overall, though, I do like the stuff you get at each level. Mm-hmm. And I'll admit, like... I know, like, the cantrip you get, as far as archetype, is chromatic burst. And then, element, I wouldn't mind a couple other options to to choose from, saying, you have two or three options, but you can only pick one. (laughs) Just add more flexibility to the archetype, if people choose. Well, well, technically, they don't need to take chromatic or or burst. They can use, um, like, firebolt and all that shit, but I I see what you're saying. 
Just, I'll, I'll keep that in mind. Either if I decide to alter this one, or when I make another one. And it's not unprecedented, too, for uh, people to go back and augment their archetype that they post online here and there. Like, um, Matt Mercer, he has gone back and has his archetypes from feedback he got from his players that have played them. From right. Right. From critical roles. So. Yeah, and if you're using this, um, there, if you're using our archetype, um, please leave a review on DMs Guild. There's actually a discussion section underneath the product. So if you find something that's broken or unbalanced or a certain combination, because God, God knows I couldn't possibly play every possible combination of situations in our playtest. But if you find something, please leave a open that discussion and, and talk to me because I have no problem going through and and editing and even enhancing this. And Short version. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you, what you don't like. Tell us like uh, ways we could like uh, augment it in some way, make it better. <laughs> uh, one thing I want to talk about before we finish up on this is the artwork. Yeah, a fantastic job was done. We got this really nice tiefling with you know with on one eye kind of uh, like shining with the with the gun pointing towards the towards the the the, the camera. I guess um, they Brandon and uh, so Brandon did one of the art pieces. There's three art pieces. Another one was done by Mattias uh, Pegoraro, and I apologize, Mattias, if I'm mispronouncing that. Um, the artwork turned out really good. I was very happy with it, um, and I'm looking forward to – actually, I've already commissioned him uh, to do the art for my brawler uh, barbarian archetype or path, so I'm really excited for that. A final note – when using this class, in order to really get the most out of it, be sure to incorporate the use of your gun in as much of your casting as possible. And there's many, many, many ways you can flavor your gun. Oh, right. Like, uh, as we said earlier, Brandon said, like, his was basically a solid crystalline object that's in the shape of a gun mm-hmm. with that rune cards on that glow when he uses it. I remember I sales pitched in the past that, uh, like, if I played it, I would probably make it more like a, a revolver, if you will. Mm-hmm. But, like, um... And, like, each spell that the character knows is actually engraved into, like, uh, cartridge-like objects that you that you put inside the cylinder and fire off. <laughs> right. That's dope. I, and I think I mentioned uh, that's similar to what my – the original idea that I had. Yeah. Um, but since I – and that was when I was going to make it a wizard, which made sense for the prepared. You prepare, right. like, a case full of cartridges and you just pop them. Um, what's really cool, you mentioned the different types of guns. So, Mattias did one of these art pieces for me, this black and white one with this uh, African-American lady. And the gun itself has, like, tendrils that are, like, leeching into her arm and drawing out the power. And I think he did a really great job with that. <laughs> I remember, like, uh, some of the art from Feng Shui did that, too, for a couple oh, yeah? <laughs> archetypes here and there. Once again, the the gun is meant to be important in your scenario. So whether even if you're casting regular spells, let's say uh, a player who's casting, you know, fireball, you know, may describe the the you know the rush of power through her body and um, as it you know in the form of you know raw uncontrollable stir- storm of red energy. That energy then passes through her body into her arm and comes out the end of the gun. And it begins, you know, to glow with a radiant power. And as she releases, squeezes the trigger and releases the energy, a small sun, you know, erupts from her, her gun and it's it, she casts fireball. Yeah. I mean, it's basically a big fireball spell, but you ha- want to include that. And I do want to mention, too, that in the document itself, Brandon also contributed some artwork to it. Yeah. Didn't I say Brandon? I don't remember. Uh, yeah, one of, <laughs> one of the art pieces is Brandon's as well. But uh, yeah, include the in, you when you're doing this, you want to include the gun in all your spell casting, not just your bursts. You know, I know that in one of the examples I think we use in the creator's notes is if you shoot a ball of energy at the ground and then like a, a fucking stone barrier appears, it's just minor illusion. But that's a cool way to describe it. So I think that'll do it for our main topic today. What do you think? Yeah. Once again, there's a link in the show notes. Um, to our gun mage, you can go to our website. It's right there on our main page, or just go to DMs Guild and type in gun mage, and you'll find it. Definitely support it if you've tried it already. Um, it is pay what you want, so if you end up liking it, um, you can download it for free. And if you end up liking it, you want to kick a few dollars to us. Um, we appreciate it because I had to pay for the art, and a lot of time it went into playing and testing um, and altering. So, any mm-hmm. if you think it's worth it, please t- toss us a few bucks for it. So. That'll do it for our main topic today. Before we move on to our unearthed tips and tricks, we have one more gift to give away. Compliments of Loresmith. Each episode, we will draw another lucky subscriber's name, and they will win the best-selling adventure, The Claws of Madness. Compliments of Loresmith. Loresmith is a small indie team of creative artists who remember exploring the realms together with friends, finding incredible places, and meeting colorful characters along the way. 
They set out to deliver an experience that sparks those lasting impressions that pushed them to create their first standalone adventure, The Claws of Madness. This best-selling adventure is one that you don't want to miss. Ian, who's our winner today? Our winner today is Leon the Grim. Congratulations to Leon the Grim. You are this week's winner of Lorsmith's amazing Claws of Madness adventure. Madness, madness, madness. If you enjoy the adventure, please let Lorsmith know. And now, what you've all been waiting for. Our Unearthed Tips and Tricks segment, where we bring you new and reusable material for both players and DMs. Our character concept today comes from... Scott Free, the obviously a wizard. <laughs> when I decided to join a new group, I spoke to my DM in private about a secret my character had. He was a warlock masquerading as a wizard, the half-elven son of a prominent human nobleman and an elven mage. He was a child born to strengthen political connections. That sounds familiar. Yeah, that's pretty much what marriage marriage with nobility was. <laughs> <laughs> he was banished from his home in shame by his parents for his failure to possess his mother's arcane gifts. He vowed to gather as much power as he could and storm his father's mansion to claim it as his own. I like this. Yeah. I'll show you. I'm going to come up with my own way of spellcasting. It's going to have blackjack and hookers. <laughs> <laughs> for all you future Rama fans out there. Uh. He took the Pact of the Tome and the Book of Shadows invocation to have access to a plethora of spells. He bargained with his patron, a fiendish Arcanolith. I don't know what an Arcanolith is, do you? Nope. I have no idea what that is. Um, to make his Eldritch Blast look like Hellfire, thus disguising it as a firebolt. That's so cool! <laughs> Clever. All his patron required in return was for him to recover as much knowledge as he could, which suited him just fine. Joining a wandering party of adventurers, he would wander all over dwarven ruins and into giant infested mountains in search of power. All the while, his party was none the wiser of his true arcane origins. I actually played this character, and none of the players were aware of my secret until I told them several months into the campaign. Which is pretty dang impressive when you consider how spellcasting works for a warlock. I know, right? Like, it's like, why does he always use that firebolt? Like, doesn't he have an arsenal of spells that is... I don't need such weak spells. Though the Tome of the Warlock, or the Tome in the Book of Shadows, gives him access to a lot of different stuff, yep. doesn't it? Yep. Yeah. Why do you keep casting only two spells per encounter? I uh, wanted to conserve them because I only have so many. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. I never know when I'm going to need them. <laughs> no shield, no nothing. I mean, that's impressive if you manage to keep that away from your team for that long. Um, Ian, so what are your overall thoughts of this? I like this character concept just because there's an obviously obvious hook there, and it does give you a few uh, interesting ways to play a character in a way that they're not normally played. So, Oh, yeah, and I'm, I'm definitely a, a fan of that. I know that Ryan did something similar mm -hmm. where I think he was a sorcerer but pretended to be a wizard, so he carried all these books all the time, was constantly reading him. Um, but he failed, like, out of wizard school or something, but he could still, it was, it was a really interesting character. He only played it a little bit, but. I know I mentioned this before, but what you just said reminded me of a character concept online where a, basically a orc barbarian claimed that, that he was a wizard, even though he's a barbarian, but apparently part of the character's background was he did go to wizard school, but he attended there on that football scholarship. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny. So I'm reading uh, Pact of the Tomb, and it says you can choose, uh, you gain three cantrips from any class of spell list, which is interesting. Fascinating. Um, which kind of fits that. He's trying to learn learn new new spells and stuff. And then the invocation, what was the name of the invocation? The Shadow, Pact of the, whatever, Shadow Book or something? Book of Shadows. Book of Ancient Secrets. Okay. It says, so the, the invocation says you can now inscribe magical rituals. Into your book of shadows, choose two first level spells that have the ritual tag. So there you go. If you if you picked up like uh, find familiar, yep. I would never be the wiser. Yeah, 
That is very clever. I love the idea of building a character and masquerading it as something else. I think that that's a lot of fun, and I, I would. I think I would like to try to do that. I feel like you've done that before, actually. Or at least you pitched a concept before. Or yeah, something similar to it. Yeah, maybe. I don't know, but I really love the concept there, uh, Scott. Thank you very much for the submission. Fun stuff. Our monster variant of the podcast is the Spell Slinger. The origin of this is the mage, and you give it several new features. The first one is it gets access to sorcery points. Woohoo! It gets six. It gets uh, the meta magic feature, Quicken Spell. And it gets access to the Gun Mage's Swift Burst, as well as the Full Chromatic Burst. And we've already covered what those do. Yes, <laughs> so basically this character is a Gun Mage that you can introduce to your game as a monster. And really catch the players off guard. And I think it would be surprising to ha- describe as somebody aims this, pulls their hands up, and aims this rectangular L-shaped object at you as it begins to glow with energy and starts releasing these bursts of power from itself i think it would be a really great way to introduce that concept (laughs) do you think this would be a fun monster to go up against yep i mean it'd be a little bastard trying to hit with that swift burst i mean the the cr rating i think of that's like a, a like a level is a six cr rating monster so it would still have all its normal features and everything so and it sounds like Clint Eastwood for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> so the fact that he gets shield is pretty cool. Like if somebody tries to, uh, to like say if you try to attack me with a sword, mm-hmm. I would totally see them doing like a quick draw mm-hmm. and blasting your gun in mid swing as shield the sh- reflavoring of the shield spell. Yep. It's high noon. McCree, right? Yeah. Speaking that- of Matt Mercer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's really cool. I think it was simple. Of course, I was going to build a monster out of it. That's just how I roll. Um, do you have any other comments on that? Something you think would be really cool with this? Or? Well, we already touched on the class that and the features that we added to this thing, so I think yeah. no more needs to be said. Yeah, the one thing I would keep in mind if you're going to run this as a uh, DM, use the swift burst to get into position to line up the full chromatic burst. Yeah. Try to get as many of those bastard players in your sights as you can. Oh my god, that would be dope. <laughs> uh, that'll do it for our monster van, the spell slinger. Yeah, I think abilities like that might be... One more reason why I usually prefer to play on Battlemance, but that's my personal preference. Yeah, so. I can agree. So, Ian, would you like to tell us about the encounter of the podcast? Yes, our encounter comes from patrons Durzo and Paul Stone. So, for clarification, this was in our Discord chat, um, and this was a conversation that the group was a part of, and Paul Stone gave an amazing response between Durzo's question and Paul Stone's uh uh, answer, we have an amazing character idea, uh, encounter idea, so thank you guys for that. Huh, I'm guessing does I read the Night Angel trilogy? <laughs> uh, probably. It does sound familiar. Well, a character in there's name Durzo. Durzo. So. Yeah, it's uh, it's wet. Uh, he's a wet boy, right? I really hate that name. <laughs> you don't like it? Why? Why? It sounds stupid. And does do you we, know why they're called wet boys? Yes, because they do wet work. But no, because they get coated in blood. God. There was like a single line that says, well, we're always coated in blood. So right, that's do, the nickname. Right, because they do wet work. Yeah, well, I just assumed because they were just killing people and stabbing people. But let's face it, it does not sound like a very intimidating name. Durzo? Hell yeah, it does. I was referring to Wet Boy, but okay. Oh, <laughs> I guess that makes more sense. I don't know. I, I like. I thought it was dope. But anyways. And actually, I'm, I know for a fact I'm not the only person who's complained about that. But other than that, though, I've enjoyed the series. Yeah, it was really good. It was a great trilogy. I've only read the first two books, but I have the third, so. The, trilogy, the third one's good. Not, I liked it, but I still don't think it was as good as any of Brandon Sanderson's books. Agreed. All right, so about that encounter. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Durzo. Hey, guys and gals. I need some help for tonight's session. The group is currently on their way to a temple to collect a holy relic to destroy an evil orb they have in their possession. They fail to even ask what the relic looks like or how it works. So, um, here's my plan. They'll get to the temple, and they'll be sent to a room with a pedestal holding a magnificent sword with beautiful markings a stack of paper, and a pen and inkwell. Their obvious assumption is going to be that their sword is the goal, but they, of course, could be wrong. The pen's actually the relic, because the pen is mightier than the sword. That's dope. I want to leave a very subtle hint on the paper, but don't want to make it obvious. Any ideas for a little small hint? And Paul Stone jumps in. Paul Stone's like, they enter the room. And with a successful DC 20 wisdom perception check, they find around the bottom of the pedestal, 
barely seen because of all, all the dirt and dust, which reads, I can say anything without making a sound, make you laugh or cry, leap and bound. I'm only a thought until there's a line, a point of direction, a symbol of rhyme. I can be anything, and the list can go on. It's only a matter of what becomes drawn. My purpose in life is always clear. While you're right there, I'm always here. What am I? And the answer is the written word. So there was a little bit of discussion in here, but Paul nailed it so much that I was like, man, that'd make an awesome, that whole thing is just amazing. Um, and I don't know if Durzo ended up running with this. I'd love to hear from you, uh, patron Durzo, if, if you end up running with it and how it went. But uh, I thought this, this was a really cool non-combat encounter. Um, I could only imagine how pissed off the players would be if they took this. They they made this long trek, grabbed the sword, went all the way to their destination to destroy this evil orb, just to find out that they smash it and it doesn't break. Yeah. How pissed off would your players be? <laughs> That's like going all the way to fucking what is it, Mount Doom or more into Mordo? Yep. And then dropping the ring in the volcano, and turns out that's not the mount volcano it was forged in. Whoops! <laughs> like it, it would be so terrible and shitty and painful. Uh, I do think the DC is a little high on this, but I guess it depends on what level all your heroes are. So, mm-hmm. um, so take that into consideration. I think that the pen is mightier. Uh, what I think would be really cool is if you were leaving like subtle hints throughout, like the entire dungeon that they crawled to get to this holy relic or something like written words on like scrolls along the hallways and shit like that little subtle things like that i think would be really interesting yeah obviously the sword may be there for like to to distract you know like thieves and stuff right Mm -hmm. like terrible players (laughs) because who's gonna grab a quill yeah, right. Although I suppose some adventures of steel are not nailed down. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of uh the 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 Indiana Jones flick where he goes to pick up the Holy Grail and there's all these different grails. Yep. But the one that's actually the Holy Grail, it's a cheap old looks like it would be owned by a carpenter and it's very subtle. Yep. So little things like that. So this is a great encounter. I didn't we don't have a name for it. Ooh, the pen is mightier. That's a good one. All right. The so. written word Ooh, that that's even better. Uh, you have anything else to add to this? Nope. And that is our encounter of the podcast, the written word. So our magic item of the day is from Scott uh, Free as well. Sylph's sphere of capturing. Hmm, that sounds familiar. This crimson and ivory sphere has enchanted by Sylph the Saffron, a master of abjuration, designed as a method for perform. I cannot do that as good as him. I suck. So, uh, <laughs> today's magic item is Sylph's Sphere of Capturing. Now no, keep going. You think so? And, and leave the part in there when you're editing. I can't do that as well as him. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Because it's funny. I know. It's funny. I can't admit that he does something better than me. It's funny. <sighs> Fine. <laughs> Designed as a method of combating roving monstrosities and rampaging infernal incursions, this orb, <laughs> this orb is designed to allow even lowly city guards to contain threats far beyond their normal capacity. Okay, now my ears hurt. Yeah, goddammit, <laughs> fucker. When hurled at a target, a sphere opens on contact and exposes them to a specialized version of the banishment spell. To any not strong enough to resist the spell, they are contained within a demiplane, regardless of the plane of origin, their plane of origin, within the sphere, and are forever bound to the sphere. Once contained within, the creature can be temporarily released when it is thrown with enough force to activate the rune. So here's the breakdown. Sylph's sphere is capturing, uh, uh, sphere of capturing can be used as a throwing weapon using either the wielder's strength or dexterity. I think traditionally thrown is dexterity, right? No, it's both. Is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Uh, on a hit, the target must make a saving throw equal to 10 plus the wielder's level, uh, 10 plus the wielder's level, or suffer the effects of the abanishment. So, so this gets stronger depending on who throws it? Yep. That's weird. I'm going to be honest. Do you think that's a little weird? Because you're throwing it harder. <sighs> no. I think this should be a static DC, personally. But on a successful save, the sphere of capturing is destroyed. Oh, you throw it and it breaks. Oh, imagine that. It's like fucking, uh, what is that one place you're just constantly throwing rocks at the Pokemon? and The Safari Zone. And the, yeah, it's kind of like the Safari Zone. You just throw it. Nope, shit, tough out of luck. 
Regardless of the target's plane of origin, they are confined to the harmless demiplane contained in the sphere. Uh, I don't think I need to read all this. No. No, I don't. The charisma saving throw of 10 plus the wielder's level, I would just make this a static value, personally. On a successful save, the sphere is destroyed. So this is really interesting. This is pretty much a Pokeball. Uh, A creature contained within the sphere of capturing can be released from the sphere by pressing a rune on the item or by making a ranged attack against a character. You throw it. When released this way, the contained creature obeys verbal commands of the bearer and is friendly to them as long as the wielder's level is equal to or greater than the captured creature's CR. The captured creature can be forced back into the demiplane by triggering the rune again. So basically, you can... You have a pet. Yep. Uh, I noticed there's no limit on how often you can do this. Yeah, we might want to uh, add a coin use on one creature. <laughs> yeah, or once a day. I think once a, once a day would be a good yep. addition, too. Um, he does say, yes, I know this is a Pokeball. I just wanted to try it and get it into the game. I figured that making the item destructible would help balance the power a little bit. Oh, oh yeah, I guess if you only got one and you throw it and it breaks, you don't got it no more. <laughs> Walks up to a Tyrannosaurus. I'm going to make you my pet, and I'm going to name you Fluffy. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about this, Ian? Well, I liked Pokemon as a kid, so of course I'm digging this thing. <laughs> yeah, I think it's I think it's dope. If you recall, we had like the monster, we had like a monster monocle that was like a Pokedex yeah. already. So it's not the first Pokemon theme to come through here. I personally just last year played Pokemon Sun, so I'm all for this. The only concern I would have is... Apparently, uh, Tater believes that uh, Fluffy's a better name than Dennis. Well, Tater would be wrong. <laughs> I think this is fantastic. I think this would be really fun. If you didn't know, there's actually a supplement out there that has monster stat blocks for all 150 Pokemon. Of the original 150. Yeah. But that's awesome. So yep. I do think I would put a higher restriction on the creatures that could be capped too, like half your CR. So if you're level 10, you can capture a CR of five or no more than five, personally. Um, because now you're starting to get some pretty powerful-ass creatures. Yeah. Like, maybe even divisible by three. But I definitely think it would be fun. Maybe have different levels of them. You got, like, the Spill uh, Sphere of Capturing normal, and then you have, like, the Master Edition. <laughs> it automatically succeeds. Uh, but can only do it once. Uh, anyways, uh, I like this magic item. I would love to see something like this in a game I was playing with, because it would be hilarious as a player for this shit to just pop out. Um, could you capture? Is there any limit on what you can capture? Like, if Brain is just pissing me off, can I throw it at him and capture him? Uh, as written? <laughs> it says a creature. Yep. <laughs> I'd be threatening people, like, don't piss me off, you'd be living in this ball, bitch. <laughs> I like this. Good job, uh, Scott. Thank you for the submission of Sylph's Sphere of Capturing. Today's DM tip is, becoming legends. Once the campaign has ended, a new one can begin. And if you're running a new campaign for the same group of players... You can really help them get invested in the new setting by using their previous character's actions as a basis of legends. Let the new characters experience how the world has changed because of their old ones. In the end, though the new campaign is a new story with new heroes, they shouldn't have to share the spotlight with the heroes of days gone by. So this is actually a really great tip. When a campaign ends, you should be able to end it interestingly. Um, and then starting a new campaign in the same world, but in a different time, where your character are those legendary characters, I think would be really cool because you could have statues erected of those players' characters in town. I mean, you were just talking about people knowing how awesome would that be yeah. if, if you turn around and Thor had a statue in the middle of fucking water deep. This inscription is uh, most interesting. A uh, man of uh, eloquent diction that somehow gets it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> also loves steak. Was that Thorg? Yeah, it was definitely Thorg. Um, I think that it would be really cool. And once again, if you're sitting there talking to a noble and there's like, you know, we haven't had this sort of trouble with the the orcs since uh, Thorg and his group of adventurers saved the, saved the city from the, the evil orc captain or whatever his name is, you know? Yeah. Um, and Dennis. that be- that became <laughs> <laughs> fucking Dennis. Uh, that kind of becomes a story that gets referenced to into their actions referenced in future campaigns. I think that would be fucking cool. So if you can include that shit, do it. <laughs> do it. That'll do it for our dungeon master tip of the podcast: becoming legends. Our player tip of the podcast is: don't be, be a, a dick. dick, and you can avoid dickitude by. Listen to other players' turns. This comes from tw- Drop the Die on Twitter. You know, listening to other players' turns is important. It's a slap in the face to the players and the DMs for you only to evaluate the stuff that you do 
at the table. This is really interesting. Um, you're not the main character. It's an ensemble cast. I promise if you ignore other players, they will resent you. I can understand this. Yeah. One player goes, I banished the big bad evil guy. Next player, I attacked the big bad evil guy. Um, dude. <laughs> yeah, I banished him. What do you talk? Why? Why? What do you mean? Why would you attack? Are you not paying attention? What? <laughs> yeah, see? Yeah. Why weren't you paying attention? Right. I mean, how I how just, annoying is that? <laughs> I just I just concocted this amazing plan of how to defeat this guy. Everyone goes, oh! Dang and, it, Leroy. And you're fucking not, you're not even paying attention. Are you kidding me? That's frustrating. I've been there. You know, especially when the team's co- coming up with this big giant strategy and other players like, so what are we doing? Did you hate that shit? Yep. Or the example I gave in the past of um, the players didn't pay attention at all to the villain's description. <laughs> <laughs> the red coat guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the kind of shit that, that just is should be unacceptable. People, if you care about each other's turns, it's also easier to work together and know what's going on. Yeah. Because I d- undoubtedly have had players ask the exact same question as the guy before him. And that's irritating. So. Yep. Are we there yet? No. Are we there yet? No. <laughs> hey, Ian. We're not there yet. Ah! <laughs> All right. That'll do it for our player tip of the podcast. Don't, Don't be, be a, a dick. dick. And you can avoid dickitude by listening to other players' turns. And this tip came from Drop the Die. On Twitter. Yeah. Well, that'll do it for our show today. Indeed. Before we close out, we have another gift to give away. A small village. Empty of villages except for one boy. Found. Sitting and weeping next to a jester's pageant wagon. The boy explains that the villagers, including his family, followed a jester into the wagon and never came out. What madness could the adventurers face? Can they save the villagers? Or will they go mad trying? Can you survive the madhouse of Tasha's kiss? And this one, from Jess Stevens, goes to Salt and Sassy Gaming. <laughs> God damn it, Ed. Is it over yet? Is it over yet? Is it over yet? Hey, Ian, who's our winner today? I just said that! <laughs> I know you did, but I didn't say who's our winner. Yeah. Uh, you got a little head of yourself. <laughs> uh all right well that'll do it for our show today um please join us on our next episode we will be discussing go for the eyes a rule supplement for precise targeting and damage thresholds to inhibit a creature mid battle oh do you like the idea of targeting parts of a enemy he keeps kicking me in the dick. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is a special rule set I'm particular, particularly excited for because who has never, who hasn't tried to cut off a Baylor's wing so he can't fly? Yeah, there's rules for that. So I'm really excited to discuss that. If you have any feedback, unearth tips and tricks, or topics you'd like us to discuss, please send them our way. You can email them to us at critacademy at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Crit Academy. We hope you enjoyed your experience here at Crit Academy. If you did, you can help others find our show by leaving a hopefully five-star review on iTunes. Or just send us a message telling us how much you enjoy the show. And also be sure to give us a like and a share. <laughs> if you'd like to support our show, there are many different ways to do it. Uh, Patreon.com if you want to become a patron. Uh, for as little as $1 a month, you can sign up. You get additional bonuses uh, depending on which tier you select. Brandon does commission art, so you can commission him for special art. You can see some samples in our work or on our Facebook page. Uh, also, head on over to our website and pick up some of our DMs Guild content. Our Unearthed Tips and Tricks book and our Gun Mage are both bestsellers, so check those out. You can go to our website and pick up some uh, you know, interesting fat loot with our, our logo on it and tell everyone that you're a fan of Crit Academy by supporting that stuff. Or you can buy us a cup of coffee. We have a website for that now where you can just directly donate 
Uh, I'll, I'll put that link in the show notes. So make sure to subscribe to our show at CritAcademy.com so we can help you on your future adventures, as well as be entered to win cool prizes each and every week. you also find links to our awesome fellowship members there. Interparty Conflict, Gabe and Jeff every week answer your questions. We have been, uh, I've been on a, a secret project with them, doing it, recording an actual play, so I'm hoping that comes out in the next couple months. If you haven't listened to Interparty Conflict, they answer your questions in a very professional manner, um, and they're very fun to listen to. Gabe and Jeff are awesome, so definitely check them out. D&D Character Lab, every week they are create these intricate characters and then argue which ba- whose baby is better on this really interesting uh, scale, <laughs> which is pretty awesome and funny. Um, also check out our newest members, our Brute Force and Ignorance, the actual play podcast. Those guys are freaking hilarious. And every episode, it just gets better and better. So definitely check it out. You can also head on over to our site and check out all the other fellowship members from podcast to bloggers to Facebook groups even. I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Dan. Thanks for listening. Keep your blade shop and spells prepared, heroes. Heroes.